Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today on This Week Health. Back in the day, as it were, you look at the C-suite, they didn't understand IT, they didn't really want to talk about it, et cetera, the board, same thing here. Now they actually understand, they've been through EHR implementations, they grew up with this stuff. Right. So they're actually quite capable of handing the conversation with you in terms of change management. So you're much less the sole authority, you're much more the team player and the orchestrator of the conversation. Thanks for joining us on This Week Health Keynote. Today we have a special episode, a conversation with John Glasser of Harvard Medical School, also former CIO of the year, part of the founding fathers of Chime. And we talk about a bunch of things at the Chime Fall Forum. This was actually one of the interviews in action that we did. And we talk about how Chime has evolved over the years. We talk about the CIO of the past, the present, and the future. And we cover just a ton of different things. Great conversation. Always love catching up with John. And I really hope you enjoy. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Special thanks to our keynote show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare, a CDW company, VMware, Transcarent, Presgany, and Sempris, and Veritas for choosing to invest in our mission of developing the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to the show. All right, here we are, another interview in action from the Chime Fall Forum, and we're here with John Glasser. And, uh, you know, at least four people we've interviewed so far, John, have had John Glasser stories. Oh, <laughs> well, so. you've been around long enough, you're gonna you generate some stories, that's for sure. So you had the panel discussion this morning, yeah, yeah. and you represent the CIO of the past. Right. Does that hurt in any way? Well, no, Bill, one is I was around in the past, so right. people want to know how did it get started, and what was some of the whys and who was involved, et cetera. So I happen to have been there when all well, that occurred. Well, let's give some of that because for our listeners who aren't here, that was really fascinating to me, the whole chime and chin. Yeah. And I, at first it sounded like a joke, but there was a chim and there, yeah. was, a, there was a chime. Yeah. Talk about the early days, its formation and how it came to be. Yeah, I mean, there was the sort of the backdrop was, is that you were beginning to see in the late 80s, early 90s, companies that were beginning to use IT competitively to really advance their products and services. So American Airlines, Sabre System, Frito-Lay was an example, USAA and claims filing, et cetera. So all of a sudden they said, wow, we're going beyond back office automation here. We're in this serious here. And you could see there's a lot of Harvard Business Review and other discussions, books that came out about the topic. So it was clearly coming, this use of IT competitively. And the conversation at the time was, well, it's not here in healthcare, but it's coming in healthcare. And if you looked around the room at your current CIOs and IT execs, they said, man, we got to upscale them if they're going to be in a position to really handle this conversation, lead it, et cetera. So that was the discussion. How do we help them do that? And can we create an organization that will bring them together, educate them, teach them, et cetera? So at the time, I was the board chair of HIMSS, and HIMSS was in a lot of trouble at the time. It was still part of the American Hospital Association, losing money, had some staffing issues, et cetera. 
So we thought, well, we'll stand it up. And the logical would have been, we'll make it part of HIMSS. Well, HIMSS needed other things to do. Well, the next thing to do is we'll make it part of the American Hospital Association, which HIMSS was part of. But AHA said, we don't want anything to do with you guys. So you're, anyway, you're on your own. You're on your own. Go get them, Tiger. Let's yeah. see how you do. So it was in this back room of a HIMSS board retreat that I, along a board chair, Rich Rydell, who was the time as the CIO of Bay State in Worcester, and he was the past chair. And then Rich Carell, who was part of CHIM, and I'll get back to CHIM in a second, I said, let's go stand it up. And who should we have on the board? And all the usual things you would do to go off and do that. And as I mentioned in the thought here, it was Rydell who said, hey, let's put the word college in there. That'll show we're really here at yeah. educating high level. And Rich Carell wrote down the acronym CHIM, or CHIME. I've never seen it before. You know what's interesting? Yeah. I mean, you put college in there, there's something in a name. Yeah. Because 30 years later, that's a core function of what CHIME yeah. continues to do. Well, in some ways, the model is pretty simple. He said, look, we're going to take a set of folks who have a common profession, a common set of interests, and we're going to bring them together. And we're going to do two things. One is we're going to educate them. So we'll put stuff out there, speakers, and this and the other. But the more important, perhaps, we're going to create relationships so that they learn from each other and teach right. each other and have someone to talk to, et cetera. So we, we did that. And at the same time, in parallel, had been this group called CHIMP. Center for Healthcare Information Management, which was vendors and consultants who had come together, they could see the same thing coming. And they thought, boy, our business prospects will be better off if we help move the field into a more strategic sense. So Rich Carell was the CEO of that. And he said, well, let's bring those people together with the CIOs and recognizing the importance of the partnership. And that's, in a way, how Chime got started, how the Chime Foundation, and this Chim sort of morphed into the Chime Foundation. And that's how it got funded. And it's interesting because Great concept, by the yeah. way. CIO of the past, CIO of the present, yeah. CIO of the future. Yeah. In that, it's interesting to me because the CIO of the past, you don't even represent the CIO of the past. Yeah. The CIO of the past was the person who was technical enough to sort of make sense of some things and make things happen. But the CIO role changed yeah. pretty dramatically yeah. over the last 30 years, yeah. hasn't it? Oh, I think if you look at archetype of the CIO at the time, First of all, they weren't called that. They were director of IT, maybe data processing manager. Actually, the title was not as common as it is now. And their job was to make sure the system stayed up. We didn't have quite the same security issues then, but nonetheless, there were some. And they were going through these departmental systems. So how do I go with an RFP? How do I choose between pharmacy vendors, et cetera? And how do I, quote, install it in a different way? So it's, it was much more it's important work, but it certainly wasn't the strategic executive that you see today. And now you had... Teresa Meadows and Andrea. Andrea is fantastic. And I joked with Andrea, I was interviewing you yesterday, it's like it used to be you were brought into the room to be the technology person. Now you're leading projects that are around clinical workflow and communication and supply chain. And I mean, the CIO really has to be, I don't want to jack of all trades, but also be able to participate in all those conversations. Yeah, and you know, and because your board will say, golly, when I do this in banking, it's a great consumer experience, what are you doing? And so you have to know, well, what are they doing in banking and what are we doing here too? So you have to be able to have that strategy conversation, you have to be able to technically make it robust because the auditors come in and say you're secure or you're not on this kind of stuff. You have to deal with docs, say the system stinks. What are you going to do about it? And I think the other thing, Bill, is kind of interesting is back in the day, as it were, you looked at the C-suite, they didn't understand IT, they didn't really want to talk about it, et cetera, board, same thing here. 
now they actually understand. They've been through EHR implementations. They grew up with this stuff. Right. So they're actually quite capable of handing the conversation with you in terms of change management. So you're much less the sole authority. You're much more the team player and the orchestrator of the conversation. But we're talking about some fundamental changes that are going on in the industry yeah. that have really leveled the, the industry. You have the pandemic, then you have the financial challenges, yeah. and you have cybersecurity. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that it used to be I bring CIOs in here, yeah. and they were fundamentally working on different things. Yeah. If you're a large academic medical center, you're looking at some different things. And that's still the case, yeah. but there's commonality now between the critical access hospital and the academic medical center where they could they could actually sit in a room and go, yeah, yeah let's talk about these three things because we're having financial challenges, we're having cybersecurity, I mean, we're working yeah. on cybersecurity, and the pandemic has led to employee unrest, yeah. I guess is what yeah. we'll call it. Well, you see, the organization, the American College of Healthcare Executive, every year do this survey of CEO and their top issues in the health systems, et cetera. And typically, if you go back over the years, there's probably six to eight issues. And you know, there's some ranking, but they're, golly, we're going to worry about quality. We're going to worry about medical staff relationship, et cetera. And they were all kind of narrowly bunched together. And so depending on where you were, number three could have been your top one, and number two is the top one, et cetera. Here, it's, it's really different now is there are two, which dwarf everything else. And that is, what do I do about workforce, burnout, all this other, and virtual, et cetera. The second is, my, I'm getting crushed on an operating margin here. The costs are way up, I'm doing per diem work, and nurses, I wasn't doing that before. Plus, my volume never really did recover from the pandemic, et cetera, so it can save me more, cut costs or improve revenue. Boy, oh boy, it's unusual to have two issues that it just cut across the board. So I'm going to put you back in the yeah. role. We'll have some fun. So I put you back in the CIO role. Yeah. I'm going to come to you and say 7% cut across the board yeah. in, in IT. Yeah. How do you approach that? Yeah. Because to a certain extent, don't you want to change the conversation to be more strategic rather than yeah. tactical? Yeah, sure. In having been through that kind of drill before, there is no way politically that you're going to dodge that bullet. There's right. nothing that you will say this is, I'm immune. Yeah, you might get it down to four or three. Whatever, you ain't dodging that bullet because everybody's got their reason why I'm strategic, everybody. And so the CEO says, enough of you guys, all right? Cut right. your darn budget and get it. Okay. So you're going to take it on the chin in some way, shape, or form here. So what you also realize is say, look, I'm a corporate citizen. I will do what I've got to do here, whatever. That being said, what I want to make sure is in front of you is initiatives in which we, sometimes we just have to do them because of regulation or the auditors say so, et cetera. But I'm going to make sure that I front stuff that's got clear ROIs and a track record, okay? And if I get stuff that's a little fuzzy around the edges, then I'm going to know I'm, I'm out on a limb here and it may not survive here. So I, one is I'm going to take it on the chin, but I'm also going to make sure that what I, that I yeah, it's clear to me I am listening to you and understand what's needed here. It's stuff that saves money. Let's not get all cosmic on me at this point here, et cetera. So you've got, anyway, you just have to recalibrate. It doesn't mean they won't do cosmic stuff, but you just ought to be careful with that and make sure you're not over, your portfolios are ladled up with that stuff because it looks like you don't get it. You don't get where we are at this point. So was there a straight path from like computer science in high school to CIO role for you? No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like I think you probably, you talk to lots of people. I think most careers are like Brownian motion. You're going this way, you hit something, you go that way, you sort of zigzag. Every now and then you'll get someone who says, golly, I want to be CEO of GE by the time I'm 45, and God love them, they get it. Yeah. They're that direct. That ain't, that's not common here. So I was 
I was expelled from high school my junior year, so yeah, that was my goal year, and uh, went off to college and went to Duke, got a degree in math, but largely I didn't know what else to do. And then I worked in a salmon cannery, and then I hitchhiked from the salmon cannery in, in, in Fairbanks, Alaska, the Panama Canal, took me six months and just all over kingdom come. And I got down there and I said, I'm tired of hitchhiking after six, I'm just tired of it. Plus, I'm madly in love with this woman who I met at Duke, and, you know, 48 years ago, we're still together. So I said, I'm going to go back and be in Durham, North Carolina while she finishes school, and I'll just take whatever job I can get. And that kind of started this meandering path, Bill, into the, the CIO dome. It was, it was certainly not a straight shot by any magic stretch. I'm sorry, I got kicked out of high school. I'm so, <laughs> I, I got caught up on that. <laughs> but what, what was, what's the story behind you getting kicked out of high school? I wrote an underground newspaper at an all-male Catholic Jesuit high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, Freedom of the press. Well, it, it's worse than that. It was all of, it was, Four, three of us, four of us wrote it, and each had a mimeograph. And so you may remember the old oh, addressograph yeah, yeah. back in the day. And it was all about drinking beer and sort of taking advantage of 16-year-old girls. And we knew all about drinking beer. We had no knowledge whatsoever, just hopes about the latter. We made the mistake, Bill, of publishing it on the afternoon of Parents' Night. Okay, oh. so mom and dad came down to meet with the priests and playing, oh, the roof blew off. So the following morning, we were in front of a tribunal of Jesuits, and one by each and I was the last one. My three buddies went in there and they did, I don't know if you're a Catholic or not, did the mea culpa, Latin for father, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I got in there and there they are, nine Jesuits, Father Lociavo in the middle looking down at me and saying, Mr. Glass, are you aware of the damage done to the school and how this has countered everything we're trying to teach you as a fine upstanding Catholic man? And I said, because I got mad at him, I said, I'm not sorry at all. As far as I'm concerned, the Catholic Church is a criminal organization. <laughs> and I said, for thousands of years, the Church has suppressed science, conducted unjust wars, and I think, frankly, position on birth control is doing millions of women and children. And I was actually proud of what I'd done. And I hoped it would be the first in a long series of criminal activities on my part in keeping the tradition of the Catholic Church. So I could, my buddies got suspended. I got kicked out because I just crossed the line because I got mad at him. And now that's mistake number two. Don't get mad in a situation like that. So that's what happened. It was the junior year. There you go. Well, the good thing is you found that out in your junior year. Because <laughs> how many times have you been in meetings as a CIO <laughs> where you're like, you could feel it coming and you're <laughs> going, no, that gets me kicked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, you, you learn how to sort of either ignore certain things. Because, you know, there, there you are and some barb is coming at you about your systems and why you're schmuck and your people don't know what they're doing, etc. And on the one hand, you want to defend your people. On the other hand, you can't overly defend because the person may have a point. Conference season is upon us and our This Week Health team and I will be at the Chime Fall Forum celebrating their 30th year in San Antonio. And we're also going to be at the health conference, HLTH, in Las Vegas the following week. While at these events, we're going to be recording our favorite show on the road, which is Interviews in Action. And as you know, what we do is we grab leaders from health systems, healthcare leaders from across the country, and we capture 10 to 15 minute conversations with them to hear what's going on, what they're excited about, what are their priorities and those kinds of things. It's a great way for you to catch up very quickly on what other health systems are thinking and doing across the industry. We actually air this on the community channel, This Week Health Community. It's the green one. So if you go out onto your podcast listener of choice and do a search, this channel is also where community members like yourself have been invited to do interviews of their peers. So check those out as well. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Look forward to catching you on our interviews in action. All right, last question, yeah. we have a, a line here at this yeah, point. Yeah, sure. The um, giving back to the next generation. Yeah. I, I always tell the story of 
I called you and John Halamka, uh. and you guys both gave me your time. Uh. You had no idea who I was uh. at the time. I'm like, hey, I'm a new CIO. I don't know what I'm doing. And uh. you're like, I appreciate that. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and you gave me your time. How, how can people pay it forward? I mean, you clearly have done that. A lot yeah. of people have those stories. How can the people who are listening to this, who are in the role, be it in a federally qualified health clinic CIO or a IDN or academic, how can they pay for it? Well, I think a couple ways, Bill, like conversation with you, and I get it here too. People will say, I just want to thank you because we had this brief conversation, it was really important to me. Is One is, when somebody wants a piece of your time, you give it. They don't want much of your time, and by and large, and you can have an extraordinary impact on them by, well, I'll call this person on your behalf, or let me tell you what I think of that, et cetera. So one is you give pieces of your time, and yeah, again, so do that. The second way that you give is by acting with integrity and conviction, et cetera, because people will watch you. Your staff watches you, and they want to see how you behave, how you handle certain situations. When incoming comes, how do you react to this kind of stuff here? And you want to show strength, you want to show courage, you want to show honesty, you want to show all that stuff. They may not say it but that has had an impact on them about how they want to lead and how they want it. So by being a role model and being authentic is a way that you sort of pay it forward because as I mentioned in this talk, I think your leadership style is a combination of who you are natively, what do you like, dislike, et cetera, but also you see others and you see that was really cool how he or she did that, I want to do that too, or that was appalling what he or she did and I don't ever want to do that. So any leadership style is a composite of the styles of people you've interacted with. So be one of those things who adds to that style. And that will have a, an amazing impact. John. Always a pleasure. Thank you for starting Chime all uh, those years ago. Uh, Always a pleasure. That. It's cool to see what's come on. It's uh, really cool. It's a fantastic yeah. picture of just a handful of you and down the staircase. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Something like this can start from just a handful of conversations. Yeah, no, no. It's like a lot of things. You look at the Cerner conversation, three guys having a conversation over a picnic table. That's yep. how Cerner got started. Absolutely. Anyway, it's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I love catching up with John Glasser. Great discussion, as always. And this was direct from the floor, as you can tell, from the Chime 2022 Fall Forum. We want to thank our keynote sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Serious Healthcare, a CDW company, VMware, Transparent, Presgany, Sempris, and Veritas. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.